When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome into Kicking It. I'm not Jeff Woody. I'm Grant Mahoney here with Aiden Wyatt. Uh, Jeff decided to be a dad. Uh, congratulations to Jeff and his wife. They had um, their beautiful daughter, Nell, born yesterday. Uh, if you're listening to, I guess, yesterday. That's subjective. Born on Sunday, uh, November 19th. Kicking It is brought to you by Kelder Manufacturing, and we are recorded in the Wild Rose Casino remote studio uh, this time. Since um, my producer decided to be on Thanksgiving break and went home, we are recording remotely. That's all right. Aiden, how you doing, man? Doing all right. You know, Texas is a good team. They are, man. They are good. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, Hufford's going to go out in his career with a 3-2 with a and two record versus Texas, but I don't think that's a bear you want to poke. And he, um, he, he, he poked the bear. Yeah. Bear's pissed. Bears pissed. Um, not the bear. Not not Chris Felica. Not that type of bear. Shout but, out our guy. Yeah. Yeah. But Tavondre Sweat. Uh, he's a big dude. He um he had a big impact on the game. Um, I think he has probably his impact on the game was probably unlike anything I've seen since Ndamukong Sue, um, who conveniently blocked one of my PATs as well. Um, one thing on Tavondre Sweat, he came into Texas at 6'4", 249 pounds. He has put on 113 pounds and now weighs 362 pounds. And I heard on the broadcast that when the announcer asked him about that, he laughed at it and said he was probably closer to 380. Putting on oh 100, 100 plus pounds in college is insane. And uh, he basically yeah. put on like half a, or three fourths of a grandma Mahoney. Yeah, yeah, I mean, almost. Yeah, almost an entire grandma Mahoney, for being honest here. <laughs> if he is up to 380. Um, but no, he, uh, let, let's just dive into it. You know, he, he had a huge impact on the game. Um, that blocked PAT, you know, wasn't Contreras fault. wasn't hold or the snapper. It was no one's fault. He's a big dude, bullied his way through. Um, I mean, I think you probably have three guys just standing there and they're not going to, you know, stop a bull rush like that. So mm. it sucks that that was an absolute momentum killer. Um, you know, obviously we just scored a, a touchdown and, you know, going to, put up seven points, played Juicy Wiggle afterwards, which they, I heard that the stadium PA still did after they blocked the Yeah, PA. so points. the rule is they do it first touchdown in the second half, regardless of what happens. Because I don't even think that's the first time that that's happened where there's a weird moment to play a Juicy Wiggle and they just play it regardless, but it is what it is. I think there was one, um, I don't know if it, was, if it was this year or not, that... Um, yeah, was it this year where Contreras? It, it was a bad snap or something. And it was a botched. Um, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, PAT, yeah. And, they, and they played it like, okay, guys, come on, read a room. <laughs> um, but it just sucks. It sucks that that was you know a momentum momentum killer. You know, Iowa State was making their way back into the game. You know, Texas had you know two touchdowns pulled off the board, so they came back for a total of six points. But it could have been fourteen points. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sucks that you know a momentum killer. Um, you know when when it happened. So. But yeah, give give credit where, where credit's due. You know, Texas held Iowa State to nine rushing yards, which is unheard of. Unheard of. I, yeah. I know that you know Iowa State's got a young, young running back room. 
Um, the offensive line has made tremendous strides, but you know, Rocco Beck had said earlier in the week that this Texas D line is the best D line that Iowa State was going to face all year, and he wasn't lying. Those guys were good. Yeah, I think that was kind of the story of the game too. Was just Texas in the trenches was unlike anything Iowa State had seen this year, and I don't think they'll see anything like it for a long time. No, I don't think so either. And you know, we saw. You know, we had, you, if you can't run the ball, you got to pass the ball. We saw a lot of slants, and I don't know. I, I feel like it was kind of a vanilla game, you know, kind of a vanilla game plan where we just we knew it was coming. You know, you run a slant. I would have liked to see maybe a few more shots downfield. Um, you know, Texas's D backs, I had heard, you know, are their their weakness, and if there is, I guess, is a weakness in that defense. Mm-hmm. Kind of wish that you know we would have seen a few more shots. I texted you guys during the game. I love, 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 love how they are getting um, Bramer involved. Those those tight end screens we ran two of them and had uh brendan black not been in the way i think bramer could have gone for i don't know a touchdown but a lot further than right. what he had yeah. in that one um but it's just good to see it's good to see that you know they're getting creative with the play calls and you know getting getting the ball in in the playmaker's hands and let, letting them make plays yeah and on bramer i was talking to our you know our manager our, our manager our site editor chris williams he says, looking back five years from now, Ben Bramer is going to be, he's like the, oh my gosh, I can't believe he was on that team type guy. He's an NFL dude. He's a freak yeah. athlete. He's huge. Really bright future for him, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And he's, you know, he's not the, the typical, I haven't really noticed him on, like, on blocking, so I can't tell you how he is. I feel like Gabe Burkle, um, <clears throat> um, Tyler Moore, you know, they're probably kind of built more like the Saner, maybe mm-hmm. Charlie Kohler, if you will. And, and uh, yep. you know, Bramer's built more like more like an Allen. Uh, Chase Allen type thing. And there's also Andrew Keller who, you know, was hurt for most of the year. I think he's got a bright future as well too. We haven't seen any of him, but you know, once um, Easton Dean shot out, Easton Dean had, had a nice long touchdown. I'm um, glad he got, got that on senior night. Um, I think once it was nice got, to, like, to see Iowa state use that play against someone yeah. else instead of getting beat on it. It seems like that, you know, third and short, fourth and short situation, you know, fake the run up the gut and then just pop it right over the tight end is, been a killer for Iowa State this year. On yeah, it has. That's, you know, the, the, the safeties, you know, they, they bite so hard, um, which is good. You know, Iowa State's got a really good run defense, and that comes with having aggressive safeties, but it also comes yep. with um, being over-aggressive, um, which, you know, which which you've seen throughout the year. We'll continue to see it. You know, I've, I've, I've got a feeling that Kansas State, they do a lot of, you know, that snap the QB, they kind of hold it, wait for a hole to open up, and then, and then go mm-hmm. through it, which you saw with Avery Johnson. Right. We yeah. talk, you know, we, we talk with, with Tim Fisher out about that on the – you know, at our Goldfinch Athletic interview of the week, we talk about that, and teams kind of figure that out with him. But I think you know, Will Howard is still a stud for Kansas State. They're still going to run those plays, um, and I think we're going to see that though uh, on Saturday, probably. You know, where Kansas State fakes the fakes a QB sneak and then pops over top um, to, to someone. Watch out for that. So let's dive into to special teams. Though. Special teams played a huge, you know, yeah, they were a huge factor in the game. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Texas had a punt called back that. The guy didn't even need to block him in the back. You know, he's already passed him. So, thank God that did get called back, though, because that would have been, you know, seven more points that right in, in momentum. Xavier Worthy can move, man. Yeah, he's a stud. He is good. You know, I, I knew early on in the season that he was returning the balls um, on punts and had a lot of really nice returns. So, glad we, for that, you know, aside from that, kind of held him in check. Um, in regards to Contreras' 51-yarder, uh, you know, Perkins did a good job of getting the ball down. It wasn't uh, it wasn't the best snap. It was a little behind him. Watching the watching the field goal back, um, you know Perkins looked like he hit his spot, but I, I couldn't tell if it was you know forward or backwards, if it was closer to the snapper or away from the snapper. With Contreras missing a left, I've got to think that Perkins put it down where the spot where it needed to be, but it was it was forward, so it was close to the, the long snapper. You know as you're as you're kicking a field goal, your, your foot's going to stay locked in at about, you know, at that three o'clock position, but then and naturally, you know, your, your foot's going to wrap around and come through. Mm-hmm. And if the ball is placed forward, that's going to cause it to, to go left. So I'm guessing that's what happened there, which sucks. You know, Contreras is a dog though. You know, he's, he, he's got a very short memory and doesn't allow, you know, those misses or, or bad snaps or whatever it might be um, really affect him. So that's, that's good to see. It's what you want to see in your kicker. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to see um, boy Tyler Perkins kicked a couple good footballs on Saturday night. He did. Yeah, he had some really nice punts. Um, some were almost too nice. You know, the one that he returned, you know, that that um, Xavier Worthy returned was was almost too nice. But 
Um, I think too, you know, Jeff had mentioned that that Texas props to them. They were double teaming Darian Porter, mm-hmm. who's a special teams dog. Um, they were double teaming him. He's quick. They knew that double teaming him that he's not going to be able to get down there as quickly as you know he, he'd like to. And he's the fastest guy that Iowa State's got on that that coverage unit. Yep. So props to them for doing that too. But um, yeah, Perkins got into it, man. He, he had a he had a really solid game. I'd heard too before the game that they were using new balls. I'm not sure if they did or not. Um, which typically a new ball, you would see that affect the kicking game. And I feel like it didn't really affect it a whole lot. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was good to see. Good to see that our special teams came through. Um, yeah, I guess a uh, couple more things I want to talk about before we get into the uh, the, the Goldfinch Athletics interview of the week. Um, I've got a grand scribe for you if, if, if you're here for it. So, grand scribes. Transcribes. So one comparison I want to make, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of Iowa fans on, you know, on social media, just, I mean, the reason why you don't, you don't like Iowa fans, you know, I can't say this is every Iowa fan because, you know, I've got some buddies that are Iowa fans and so they're not mm-hmm. this way, but you see a lot of Iowa fans, especially on Twitter that have, have made up fake troll accounts. I guess it's even so much a gripe, but just kind of an observation that um, I feel like Iowa fans or like a jealous ex, um, you know, after a breakup, they create a fake account to, to keep tabs on their ex. You know, they're always checking on them, acting like they don't care. Then they get defensive when they get called out and saying, oh, like, you know, I don't care about you. You know, you, you care about me. You know, the, the only reason why Iowa State fans give them attention is because Iowa fans are, you know, asking about Iowa, Iowa State. And they're just that, that super – jealous ex that i don't i don't care about you go and do your thing all while either sitting on the couch eating a tub of ice cream crying into that ice cream watching reruns of friends on repeat that's what who i gotta hurt say you grant friends. who hurt you um the last thing too i'll say before we dive into our um our goldfinch athletic special teams our goldfinch athletic special teams our goldfinch athletic interview of the week um, November is Movember, so you may see a lot of guys, um, you know, with mustaches, which is basically raising awareness uh, and funds for men's health, specifically for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, and suicide prevention. Um, our, our Kansas State guest this week, Tim Fitzgerald, is, is battling prostate cancer, so props to him for coming on. Um, great guy. He's got a great spirit about him. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's spread, too, and he's still currently in, you know, cancer treatment. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately lost my mother to cancer, so I know how how impactful cancer is and how impactful, you know, the all of the treatments that go into it. You know, that go along with the go along with chemo and, um, and and radiation. I know it just takes a lot out of you, um, and it's just you know it's debilitating for 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 those who have to go through it. So, one thing I do want to say with with Movember and I guess raising awareness for prostate cancer is. I would encourage all of our uh, men's listeners who, you know, I'm, I'm 34 myself, but I, I think, you know, I may look into getting this next year. My annual physical um, is getting the, the, the PSA test performance. It's, it's a blood test that stands for uh, prostate specific antigen. Uh, it's basically a protein that's found in your blood. That's only made by the prostate gland. You know, usually during your annual physical, they will take blood and do blood work anyways. <clears throat> and, you know, Tim talks about this, that it's, it's just one one more box that, that the doctor checks, you know, on your when you have tests done. So you know, it may cost some extra dollars to to you know get the PSA test done, but I think, you know, I think you'd be really upset if you don't get the PSA test done, and, and then you, you know later on you, you have prostate cancer. Whereas you know the PSA test it is able to detect um, prostate cancer early on. So it's not you know, perfect, nothing is, but it gives you a better chance of detecting prostate cancer. So, you know, in our, in our interview, you know, Tim does have a little segment where he mentions about it. And he says, anybody who's 45 and older get tested. I personally would say anybody who's even 35 and older to to get tested. So that's what I got to say about Movember. Um, And yeah, not trying to be, make it somber, but just try try to raise awareness. You know, now is the time to do it with, you know, November and Movember, if you will, um, being that Mm -hmm. month. So, now, though, we will transition and we will get into our Goldfinch Athletics interview of the week with Tim Fitzgerald of 247 for, for Kansas State. And now we welcome in Tim Fitzgerald with Wildcats 247. Tim, how are you? 
I'm good. Let's go, Powercat. But that's good. We are Wildcats 247. You know what? In the new Big 12, that could be Arizona. If you're the Cats, it could be Cincinnati. It's true. That's right. Yeah, um, very confusing. So, Tim, I know the, uh, the the schedules for upcoming Big 12 games recently got released. <laughs> you were right there, didn't you? I did. I'm going down. <laughs> Armageddon game has been going on for 106 years, and we've played every year. Iowa State and Kansas State have played every year for 106 years. Well, that streak is going to end in 2027 no iowa state fans are very very upset about that i am what are your thoughts on it and how's the how's the feeling in manhattan uh, regarding farmer getting going away in 2027 Let, let's uh let's get this sucker rolling i'm pissed i i think it's an absolute travesty i think the entire scheduling process the big 12 rolled out uh i, I think what we've seen with the tiebreakers at, over the last couple of weeks and everything going on with that you guys may not be as plugged in i, I don't know um it's been a big story at K-State because uh, they changed the rules. I don't want to hear from the Big 12. Well, we've already done it. We can't change it. I mean, you just literally changed tiebreaker rules in the middle of the season. You know? Why don't you just call this a uh, clarification of your scheduling and, and schedule Farmageddon every year? Here's the problem. They said they wanted to preserve rivalries. They said they wanted to stay regional. Um, <laughs> um, and on top of that, I mean, it's not just this game. <laughs> This conference finally adds a neighbor for West Virginia. And oh, by the way, you're not going to play them every year. What? Why isn't Cincinnati and West Virginia an annual game? I, I They've got to redo this. And whether you're a fan of pods or not, you you know, going five in the West kind of screwed up the whole pod idea um, because you only got three in the East. But at least you can pick three regular um, opponents for each school. I mean, I, three is three uh, every year and then six rotating that's a pretty good schedule but no they go to this bizarre thing where you play some schools three times in a four-year period that makes no sense i swear there's not there's not football people there's not sports people in this office they're really good at expansion realignment but they're they're kind of missing the details on some of this actual game related stuff that's kind of important yeah, and you know, we, we, we had Chris Felica on uh, a week or two ago and, and we had talked to him about that too. And you know, that was kind of something he had said too is that you know, he hates it, you know, and he, he wants to stick to, to regionality. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there should be some protected rivals, or at least, you know, in my opinion, you know, there should be, you know, the, the, the teams are coming from out west, let's try to keep them playing. And if we're gonna, you know, if these conferences are gonna be spread out across, you know, the country essentially. Let's try to keep some regionality to it, um, but no, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you're on board with it too, because um, yeah, Iowa State fans, uh, not too happy with the Farmageddon uh, going away. It's silly, and at the very least, uh, I don't. You know, Iowa State's got Iowa every year, and I understand that in the non-conference. K State uh, that year, and I think 28 has Colorado as a non-conference opponent already booked, and look, they're going to play Arizona for the first two seasons as a non-con. Um, and that that's okay. I mean, I understand that that's immediate, but don't. I mean, you can find another game for twenty seven and twenty eight. And I, if they absolutely won't change it, I think these two schools would say, "Well, screw you. We're going to just do it as a non con game. This is important to us." Yeah. And the fact that our own conference office doesn't understand that this rivalry is important, and it really has grown into something kind of fun and cool. And um, you know, even though the Farmageddon name kind of came up from a sports writer, a lowly little sports writer, um, it's uh, it's a, it's a, one of the great names of rivalries. Uh, you know, so look, I I'm I'm upset about it. Um, I, I'm just disenchanted right now with the direction the Big Twelve office is sending us in. Yeah, and I, I think too, the like fans upset. Oh so yeah, go ahead, Grant. oh yeah, yeah. But there's always those fans are like. Well, we dominate them, so is it really a rivalry? Well, come on, man. You get fired up for this game. People are going to be fired up for Saturday, although it's not sold out because it's Thanksgiving. It's the only game so far this season that hasn't been sold out um, on K-State's entire schedule, but um, they'll get it there. It's an important game. Uh, you, you can't deny it's important. Uh, the problem is, is if they assign three regular opponents, they might have to give Colorado to K-State because, I mean, who's Colorado got that isn't just a Western team? And then you got Oklahoma State, KU, and Iowa State. So I, I still don't know who would miss the cut. Yeah, yeah, no, and you know I've, I've seen on you know for years I've seen on the Iowa State side of things of you know we got to come up with some kind of trophy for this game, and you know I've, I've seen it tossed around a, a combine that just you know that traveling combine color you know half 
half purple, half half cardinal gold. I saw one that I, I I'm not a farm guy. I I go to I went to an ag school, but uh, the like the front end changes for corn and wheat. I don't know, and they actually change it out for who has it. Yeah, because I, you I know, know that either. Because wheat is superior corn. It's called called the head of the combine. But thank you. <laughs> I knew that. I was just going to see if you did. Yeah, yeah, it was just a test. Um, so, so looking at some of Kansas State's recent games, you know, they, they came back from from down eleven um, last week versus Kansas t- to get the win. Um, you know, a few games before that, they're down twenty in the, in the second half. I think with about four minutes left in the third quarter to come back and tie it up versus Texas, which they should have won that game. Yep. Um, you know, what is it about this team that you know you, you love to see in teams that they, they don't give up, they consistently fight, they claw and battle back? What is it about this Kansas State team that you know they're just they're cool and calm under pressure and just always seem to have a chance to win the game yeah the only game that didn't feel really competitive this year was the oklahoma state game uh, and kansas state was just unexplainably flat as an entire team and to a level i'd never really seen um at k-state since ron prince oh man um and it I was uh, some of those teams. <laughs> i uh i just i was dumbfounded by what i saw but they lose at missouri on a 61 yard miracle field goal um they lose at texas in the game they probably as you said should have won um and you know that it's just it those breaks haven't come like they did on saturday and honestly they got a few breaks that went their way and they are determined they do come back they do stay in games but i think the hallmark of this conference schedule for k-state is they played four pretty darn good teams on the road and they've had four of the weaker teams in conference at home and they have annihilated every one of those teams and Iowa State is kind of in the middle of all that. We'll see how Saturday's game comes out. Yeah. So, so is there anything with, I mean, the quarterback situation mm-hmm. kind of flip-flop this year? Is there any real controversy? Or should Iowa State expect to see two quarterbacks? No, you'll see Will Howard. Uh, and, you know, Just you know Howard. Unless K-State gets away. Yeah, Will Howard has played almost exclusively the last three weeks. We saw a hair of him of Avery Johnson at Texas. Um, and that didn't work. I mean, Texas is too fast and physical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get anything to work against Texas. Right. Uh, the only thing that works against Texas is when they get bored and they forget they've got they're in in the middle of a game. That's uh, literally. I mean, the team is so talented, uh, but they just kind of like, hey, butterfly. You know, it's like they're just completely ADD. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I would say experienced that last week. You know, yeah. we, I would say rushed for nine yards total against. Texas and it doesn't help their offensive linemen, you know, gave them some material board, some bowls and board material that they uh, absolutely was they were hammering on. Yeah. Don't, um, don't, don't make the beast mad. Cause that, yeah. that front line is very good, but yeah, we'll see Will Howard. Um, he's now the career touchdown pass leader in K-State football history, passing Josh Freeman, speaking of the Ron Prince era. Um, and uh, he's closing in on the single season record held by L Roberson. So um He's he's moving in on some pretty big marks, but uh, Saturday was a good reason, a description of why he stays in there, because the kid's a warrior. I mean, he's kind of his nickname's Iron Will, because even when he's not playing bad, he finds a way to get some plays done, and and he did on Saturday against Kansas. Well, I, I kind of wanted to ask you too about you know I'm glad that Aiden brought that up about Avery Johnson because he had some huge games. You know, he had what five touchdowns versus Tech, and then versus TCU rushed 16 times for 73 yards. But hasn't really played much the last couple couple of games. Is that is that more of a product of you know Will Howard just being a stud yeah. and, and just taking over, or is it that yeah. people have kind of figured out you know when he's in there, he's mostly just in there, you know, to, to run and, and unless it's a blowout. Yeah. Um, well, a couple things are yeah, it's because Will Howard's playing well. Will Howard got a fire lit under him when Avery scored five touchdowns at Texas Tech. Uh, great. Run, quarterback run defense tech that was fantastic, um, and uh, you know he's just. The thing about Avery is I, the fans can't figure out why they call the plays the way they do for him because this kid can throw the ball. Uh, granted, he's not as advanced in reading defenses and probably not as crisp going through progressions as Will Howard, but he's made some incredible throws already this season. Uh, and they get really frustrated because they just put him in there and put him in a kind of a losing situation where you're going to run the, the, the read, the option read, but they're – Stuff in the line of scrimmage it doesn't matter what you choose; they're both covered. So it's it's kind of been that way. They they need to do something better with him. But right now they're they're just kind of cruising through it. The shame is they stuck him in against Houston uh, in a blowout, and that was his fifth game. Now most of us around here don't feel like Avery. 
feel like Avery's going to be gone before then. I mean, he's not going to make it to a fifth season for a fourth year of eligibility. That's how good he is. I mean, he's undeniably good and special and a, uh, an incredible kid. I mean, a 4-0 type student, you know, got all the things you want from a quarterback. Plus, he's the fastest guy on the team and he's got a really good arm. Um, and if we just discussed this on one of my shows, The Insiders, that aired earlier today. Go check it out. Does Will Howard, I mean, he's got the COVID year. If he stays around, I don't think he's the starter next year. I mean, you have to move on. You don't want to have the chance of losing Avery Johnson into the transfer portal. Um, and that's a whole new world here. You know, you said you would just said, okay, kid, we're going to redshirt you and you can't go anywhere where you're stuck here at Kansas state. And that's all changed now with the portal. So um, it, it's a very intriguing situation to see it happen if it happens, but I don't think Will's quite ready for the NFL. And I think he can play. I, you know, I, there's some, I, I see some similarities there with Brock Purdy, to be honest. I, th- I think in the right situation, he could, he could certainly play. In fact, I think he's better designed for the NFL than the college game. Uh, but I also think he could benefit from another year. And if that's in another system, that might even help it more. So that'll be just a fun storyline to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, I feel like Iowa State's almost kind of in a similar situation. You know, we've got um, Iowa State's got four-star quarterback, true freshman now, J.J. Mm-hmm. Cole, who's sitting behind redshirt freshman Rocco Beck. And Rocco's just, you know, having an all-freshman. All he's you know, been great. Yeah, season. So, yeah. Um, Aiden, do you have anything else before we kind of dive into the, the, the special teams side of things? It's you. time to get to the meat, the meat really? and potatoes. You had to go there, didn't you, kicker? <laughs> yep. So we are kicking it. So we are, you know, obviously a, a special teams kind of centered uh, uh, podcast here. Now, Kansas State's been, you know, their special teams, you, they're, they're, they're known for, you know, their, their great special teams. Now, looking at, um, Looking at Kansas State's kicker, you know, he is 9 of 12 on the year. So 12 attempts is the lowest number of attempts in the Big 12 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, is that more so due to, you know, the fact he hasn't really had to kick field goals? Or he has a big leg. I mean, I see he's got, you know, a couple of 51 yarders in his career. Um, first off, too, he's built like a DN. He's like 6'5". It's crazy how big five. he is. Um, and he's not just tall and big. He's big. He's sick. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, t- you know, Tell me a little bit more about you know, yeah. about Kansas State's kicker. Uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Tennant. Yeah, he's he's got a huge leg, um, but he gets the yips. Uh, and we saw it last year at TCU. We were watching him kick in pregame, and he, he was kicking from 60 yards, field goals, but just absolutely driving the ball. He gets in the game, and he starts steering the ball, and he missed a huge field goal in that game. In fact, K-State might have won in – Fort Worth last year if he made it um, and that kind of started his yips he, he ran into the yips earlier this year I think it was Missouri um, and but the number of field goals they attempted really is a function of this team is really good in the red zone um, they get into the end zone they don't settle for many field goals um, but then you wonder well hold on is there a calculation here where they think going forward on fourth down instead of maybe risking a missed field goal and getting nothing and, and losing so much momentum from missing a field goal, uh, are we better off just going for it and you know maybe leaving them the ball at the five-yard line to take over? And I think that's been a calculation that might have come in. But, yeah, place kicking has been uh, indecisive. We'll leave it that way. They if, if they need to win a game from 50 yards, well, he's got the leg to bury it. Uh, but will he get the yips at the wrong time? That's the question. Is he also a Kansas State's kickoff guy as well? Yeah, and he does typically put it through the uh, end zone, except for that occasional, um, oops, I missed it, and kicked it out of bounds at the 20. I mean, you know, again, he just, I don't know if there's a flaw in his technique where he, you know, kind of like a golfer lifts up too soon or something, but he does miss hit some balls. Yep. Yep. And, you know, we, we've seen that a couple of times too with, you know, with, with Iowa State's kicker. Um, we've kind of drilled down, I think, what the, what the cause of that one might be. Um, now looking looking at um, Kansas State's punter um, Jack Bloomer is that his yeah. last name? Okay, so he's got a long of sixty nine, nice on the year, with an average of forty two yards per punt. Um, you know what's what's kind of the punting unit been like? Is is he more of a uh, just a straight line punter? Is he yeah. kind of a, a rugby style punter? No, he's straight line. Um, uh, can really rip the ball, um, but they've had some issues with uh, going the wrong way. Um, he, he, he didn't hit it very well last week in the Kansas didn't turn out to be that big a deal. Uh, there was one return. I can't remember. It was a kicker punt. That was 
uh, significant for KU. But, yeah, he's been pretty solid. Um, I, you know, Ty Zittner was a throwback. He took over when, you know, Tennant got the yips last year. Uh, he was doing the kickoffs and punting, and Zittner, and they gave him the field goals. He was doing it all. Uh, and he was just a warrior. He, he had that. He's got that incredible focus, and I don't know if you saw the clip of him going on the Big 12 championship to kick the winning field goal, but he was laughing. He was just like, someone said something funny on the sidelines, he's just laughing and goes on and just, you know, kicks it right through. Uh, He's one of those kids, you know. I I pulled the fire alarm, what are you going to do about it? You know, that (laughs) that type of kid. And it's great to have as a kicker, to be honest. I mean, you kind of, you you know, damn the consequences, I'm just going to go strike this ball. Um, so, yeah, they, they've spread it around this year, and, and Bloomer's been good, but not great. The real problem for K-State has been a return game. Okay, and I, I, I'm glad you, glad you brought yeah. that up. Um, you know, it's, that's, that is very much, you know, very much the, the uh, non-Kansas State side of things we're seeing this year. You know, Kansas State, their um, kickoff return, they're averaging about 19 yards a return, um, which I feel like isn't, you know, no, no touchdowns, which usually I feel like you see a couple touchdowns. Yep. You know, kickoff return and, and then punts, you know, only averaging about five and a half yards um, uh, of return. So what's, you know, what's going on with, with the return units uh, this year with Kansas State? Um, you know, I, I just don't, they brought in a new special teams coordinator, you know, analyst or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I don't feel like they've had the great schemes. I don't feel like they blocked as well. Uh, but there's a couple reasons maybe behind that. Number one, kickoff rules now, I just, I hate them. I absolutely hate them. Um, and it's just taken so much out of it. Uh, but I had never seen K-State fair catch a kickoff, you know, out on the playing field until this year. And that I think that was, a, interesting, a, you know, a sign of how bad things are. But they've also had enough injuries where they've had to play enough young guys that were maybe on special teams early in the season. And now they're in the regular rotation um, and it, they take them off. And, you know, you got someone new out there almost every week. It seems like someone new has been thrown into special teams, which is less than ideal. But I, I think it was 2006, the last time K-State went with, through a season without at least one punt or kick return for a touchdown. And, and they're flirting with it. And, and they, they had one kickoff return this year that even came close to being broke. That's it. That, it's been a non-factor. Um, and it's, it's painful to watch, to be honest. It's been the secret sauce for K-State. And you look at all three of those games that K-State lost. A significant return in every game flips the outcome. And that has been exactly what K-State does has done in the past. And they're getting by without it. Special teams kind of came to their rescue Saturday at Kansas, which was, you know, pretty fulfilling for K-State fans since Sean Snyder is over there at Kansas now. Um, but uh, it's 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 been something I've harked on from the very start of the season. This just this isn't K-State. They got to be better in special teams. It's it's a point of pride. Get your pride back. Yeah, and I, I feel like you know Kansas State and Iowa State, they have to win. You know, in, in similar ways. You know, they're they're very similar programs in that. You know, I don't know if Kansas State's ever gotten a, a five star recruit, but Iowa State just typically doesn't get those. You know, they get yeah. three star recruits occasionally, a four star recruit, and um, you know, winning in the margins and, and you know winning the the turnover battle, the, the special teams. That's where that's where Iowa State's gonna. You know, going to win games. I think Kansas State's you know been been very very good at, at special teams for a very long time, which is what's how won them a lot of games. Um, now I we've we've talked a little bit about the offense. Tell us about the defense as well yeah. too. What what can fan you know what can Iowa State fans expect from you know, from Kansas State's defense? This has been a surprisingly good K State defense. Now Kansas threw everything at K State. I mean, they're down to their third quarterback and they were running you know, wildcat with the option and uh, just doing all kinds of stuff that really stressed the defense. They they were on their four-string middle linebacker by the end of that game. Daniel Green, the six-year senior, came back for an injury-free season. Well, he got injured at Missouri and ripped a peck, and he's been gone. Um, and then Jake Clifton, a, a sophomore, a true sophomore that played last year, kind of moved into that spot once he got healthy and was playing really well. He blew a knee um, two weeks ago. So they've been playing Austin Romaine, a true freshman at that spot. He's got a broken hand, so he's been playing through that. Uh, he didn't finish Saturday's game, and they had a a junior walk-on at middle linebacker. Bo Palmer actually did a good job. Uh, but I think that, it, that defines why K-State had a little bit of problems sometimes with that KU running game. Because, well, first of all, Devin Neal's an NFL guy. 
um, and they just couldn't get him to the ground. But uh, the key to this defense hasn't been stopping opponents out on the field. You know, they, they do a pretty good job on third down, but when you get in the red zone, good luck getting in the end zone. It's been the darndest thing I've ever seen. They just don't give up touchdowns. Now, if you look at the red zone stats, they give up points, but a lot of them are field goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the way K-State plays, a lot of teams go for it on fourth down and and don't get it, so they get no points. Um, and it's been really impressive. And, but the funny thing is, and I, I don't know what the actual numbers are now, but Kansas State was like at 11% red zone possessions being touchdowns. And that was earlier in the season, a couple games ago, that was second in the country. The, the only team above Kansas State was Michigan, and nobody can figure out how, why they were so good at that. Uh, I mean, it's just like, oh, Michigan. Oh, okay, I understand. I understand. They, they knew what the play was. That, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, K-State in the red zone has been really good. And, and take Missouri, for example. They, they got their points beyond the red zone. I mean, Luther Burden would catch the ball and, and run around like, you know, like a, that bigger kid in youth football and run through the defense and everybody would fall down. That was K-State against uh, Missouri in that game. Okay. And um, I guess last thing I've got for you, I guess last question I've got for you, uh, on the offensive side of things, and we, we, we know about Will Howard, we've talked about Avery Johnson a little bit. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn is gone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a semi-familiar name for, for Iowa State fans is now a receiver at Kansas State and Keegan Johnson. Yep. I don't know, you know, how he's done this this year. To be honest, I haven't really seen too many Kansas State games this year. But what can you tell us about, you know, the playmakers and the offensive side of the ball for Kansas State? Well, I'll start with Keegan since you brought him up. He was injured, this and that. Nothing severe, just annoying injuries. And he's one of those guys, I'm going to be blunt here, that I think has problems playing through being hurt. Not injured, hurt. Um, but he got healthy, and he was ready to go at Texas, and that was his big game. I mean, without him in that Texas game, he was an athlete that could match up uh, better with that Texas secondary. He had a huge game, and he's been productive ever since. But they also brought in a uh, – started playing a true freshman named uh, Jace Brown that uh, came out of Florida. And this kid – I think K-State was his only Power 5 offer. And, I mean, the first play of the Kansas game was deep down the middle to a true freshman receiver, uh, and they connected. Uh, so he's really helped out. Running back – uh, you know, it always you always kind of wince when they say, I know he was a great player, but we're going to replace him with, you know, a number of guys. That's exactly what K-State's done, though. D.J. Giddens, who uh, I think last year in Ames had to come on the field at the end of the game to help him run out the clock. Mm-hmm. That's more of his his uh, M.O. is between the tackles. A lot of his yardage is after contact. I would I, I'd venture to say 80 percent of his yardage is you know, after tackles. It's unbelievable. He's very difficult to get to the ground. No breakaway speed. I mean, he he, he couldn't run away from a lunch lady. So, um, <laughs> uh, but he's a really solid player, a really good kid. Uh, and they brought in Treshawn Ward from Florida State, who's Deuce Von Light. Um, you know, everyone said, oh, he's going to be just like, he's, look, don't, don't ever tell me someone's going to be just like Deuce Vaughn or Darren Sproles. Um, and uh, he's been good. I mean, he, he had a huge run on Saturday that really changed the momentum. But other than that, he was completely unproductive on Saturday, and it was more of a Giddens game. And that's kind of what they've done. Who's this game fit? Who's Who's got the home fit them this week? And sometimes it's Giddens, and sometimes it's, it's Ward, and it has worked for them. It really has. That's good stuff. Aiden, you got anything else you want to you want to talk to him about? Well, uh, you know, Ben Sennett, the tight end is. Uh, I was, I was actually going to. Iowa State's familiar with tight ends, and yeah. th- this this kid, he's going. I mean, he's a junior. He's he's already in, to accepted his in, invitation to the Senior Bowl. Oh wow! Um, he's uh, he and Will Howard are roommates. They're tight. Um, it's kind of a mini Mahomes Kelsey kind of connection. Uh, typically, when he needs something, he finds Ben Sennett. That happened to the first touchdown of the game on Saturday. They ran a pattern, and he patiently waited for Senate to work free in the back of the end zone, and it, you know, it just connect all the time. But that's also a tendency on film. Um, at at Texas, they had a play. The last play of the game was a Ben Senate play they've run. Texas recognized it and flipped their coverage right at the snap of the ball from man to zone, and they covered it up. and And Will got, you know, the, it was there momentarily. And then he realized, oh crap, they I, I got to go to my second guy and time ran out he just got sacked so yeah it was it was uh, a painful way to to know that they were going to their gold play but texas knew it was coming yeah yeah ben Sennett grew up about 30 minutes away from me so what a hell of a kid he's from I, uh, yeah he's yeah he's kid. from waterloo yeah uh, he's a, yep. he was uh, he Catholic. went to chris Clyman's high school 
Yeah, um, bingo. So he, he always brings that up. You know, it's those those Catholic kids. Oh, come on, Chris. <laughs> um, but uh, he was a walk-on. He was going to go to North Dakota State if he'd been there, and he went to Kansas State, yeah, just walked on, uh, was a better hockey player. Um, I don't want to think about him being a hockey player because he's a big son of a gun, and um, <laughs> I don't like large people on skates. They scare me. That's a feel-good story right there. Yeah, yeah it's a cool story. He really is a cool kid. So. I believe he hit uh, – we lost a baseball game 2-1 to his high school, and I believe he had the go-ahead home run. That so, not surprise me. He's a freak athlete. Yeah, he seems like it. Yep. Nice. So we appreciate you hopping on with us, Tim, and, and spending some time with us here. Um, and I think it'll be a, a great game on, on Saturday. I hope it is at least. You know, I feel like these games are usually determined by less than you know one score. So it's I, awesome. I it's just such an awesome series. Yeah. Even last year when Kansas State is on the way to you know making it to the Big 12 title, they, they, they just literally had to survive. What was it, 10-9 last year? Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, we all of a sudden we were competing in the, in the Big 10 West. And it was like, ooh, 10 points. We got a lot of points on the board. Um, but, yeah, it was just an act of survival, which you have to do sometimes in a good season. Uh, certainly in the Big 12, you got to do it. You got to win those close games. That's right. That's right. So we, we appreciate it again. Thank you so yep. much for your time. And, yeah, look forward to seeing a good game on Saturday. Yep, absolutely, boys. Great to hear from you. Thank I think you. we got one more, one more thing before we get out of here. Oh. Tim, I think you had uh, something to tell us. Oh yeah, you know what? Um, I don't. I, I talk about this often. I'm an open book about this. I have stage four metastatic uh, prostate cancer, um, and I was diagnosed in 2018. Was briefly in remission. Uh, came out of it in January, uh, and it spread through my lymphatic system. Uh, and but you know, I'm I'm now 59. I was diagnosed originally at 53. Had surgery at 54. And a lot of doctors don't even test for the PSA score, which is the prostate-specific antigen score, until 55, maybe 50 at the earliest. And I'm telling everyone, men, if you're 45 or older, just tell your doc, check that PSA. You know, it's just part of a blood test. It's part of the panel. They can just check the box and add it on there. Um, And it'll give you a baseline score to know where you should be. Kansas State quarterback Matt Miller, who's a good friend of mine, he played at 95, um, was just a wonderful human being. Uh, Matty died at age 49 from advanced prostate cancer. He, he was finally diagnosed at age 47 after a good year of suffering, but the doctors weren't even bothering to look for prostate cancer. Uh, you, guys, this, this is a killer, and it, particularly if you're young, uh, it, it can take you out um, because when you're young, it gets advanced very quickly. It's aggressive. So get that PSA scored. Just remember, same thing as public service announcement, uh, but it's a PSA blood test, and it's an easy thing to do. Just you won't even know it happened because they're already taking blood. And you're typically, yeah, typically it's your annual physical. You typically will get yeah. blood drawn anyway. So take control of your health. That's that's another thing. We look, we got to trust our doctors. We got to listen to our doctors. Uh, but you know, particularly when you're in a cancer voyage, uh, you're the GM of your of your team, yeah. uh, and you got to take control. Yep. Thank you for that. Appreciate yep. you Guys, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and that's yeah, the most lot, special teams talk I've got to do all season because I'm pissed about K-State special teams. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, we will, we'll end on that. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Tim. You bet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Y'all ready for this? And now we welcome in maybe one of the greatest shooters in the history of Iowa State basketball. Legend. Statistically, it's not a lot. Legend. Minimal, minimum one of ten. Doing good, guys. Uh, looking forward to feast week. Tis the season. Let's talk some hoops, man. The Iowa State Cyclones are just beating the dog out of people right now. Now, granted, they haven't really played, you know, um, any 
P6 teams yet. Um, but who cares? I mean, we're just, you know, out here just beating the shit of people. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at what we have over the last four games, not great in terms of opponents. The best Ken Palm ranking that we've played is 288 with Idaho State, uh, 318 with Grambling, 336 with Lindenwood, and 353 with Green Bay. So and that's 353 you know, out of 360. What? I think it's 363 is the number. That's not so, so great. Not the best in the world. However, what I like to see taking care of business. Freshmen look great, ready to play, relatively seamless. Uh, the one thing that the staff told me to look out for is the offense is vastly improved. We're not going to be playing these 49-39 games against Jackson State anymore. We're going to be blowing these teams out. Uh, we like to see that Coach Schmidt, uh, Coach Crawford, they got the offense humming. Defense is going to be business as usual. If there's anything we can take away from it, these guys have game reps. Omaha is starting to get up to the college game speed. I know we're going to talk about him today, but as a fan, you got to like what you're seeing, taking care of business. There's the only bad side is Hassan Ward is out for the foreseeable future, but that just means that Omaha gets to play a little bit more. So I don't know. What do you guys think so far? What, what, what can you tell us about Hassan? Not that you brought him up. So I, I don't know too much. Uh, I can make a comparison to when I played. Uh, Lindell Wigington, my freshman year, tore a ligament in his heel. First game of the season against Missouri. He was out most of the fall into December. That paved the way for Tyrese Halliburton to be the college player that he was because he got those early reps. Now, knowing that the rotation right now potentially has Omaha as the small ball five, that opens the door to more minutes for him. So what we should be looking at is, yeah, it sucks for Ward. Hopefully he gets healthy and he's ready to go by, let's call it early before Christmas, maybe right after the Iowa game, like the 21st. But what we should be really happy about is, hey, we get to see a really fast, quick, lanky lineup with Omaha at the five. He's built strong enough to guard some of these non-con fives. I mean, let's just be real here. The guy from Grambling, uh, Aku, he, not, not the guy, nothing against him. Not the guy you want at your five if you're going to be playing against a power five team. But that's that's what I would like to see. Uh, but yeah, speed recovery to, to Ward. So you'd brought up Lindo Wigginton. Um, how long ago was it that you played? Uh, oh, geez. So how I'm, many years ago? Two years out. It's 2023. It's been at least five, five or six years. Okay. So you were there when Terrence Lewis was there then. Correct. He's a year Terrence old. Lewis. He was working on his, <laughs> got to be his sixth master's by now. He's running out of classes to take. Yeah, he's running out of classes to take. He's at Grambling State. Uh, good to see him there. I'm sure it's probably cool for him to be back, you know, for, for, for you know, another, I guess, not homecoming, but, you know, where he started his career. Um, but, yeah, so you, you talk about Omaha. Um, I think Omaha, no, I think he did have his best his best game this last game versus Grambling, um, which is good to see. You know, I, I see his his minutes ramping up. You know, early on in the season, he was making some um, – I would say freshman mistakes, some freshman fouls, not moving your feet, just kind of reaching and, you know, getting called for it. But um, this last game was his, his, his best game to, to date. That's got to be encouraging and got to be, you know, fun to see. I think, I think the sky's the limit with him. Um, let's, let's talk about Omaha though, man. Kids, a kids, a freak. I think we're just seeing the beginning. Yeah. So really what we saw those first two games, everyone's going to go to the fouls. You don't need me to tell you that the foul trouble was an issue. The first two games, everyone, you, you need two eyes to know that. What what I like seeing, especially in that Grambling game, is his teammates were the ones that were really getting him open. He wasn't in those situations where he's catching the ball back to the basket, needing to dribble and back down. That there's a rare few guys in college basketball that can truly play back to the basket, and one of them is Zach Eady, and the other one's Hunter Dickinson. Really, outside of that, there's not a lot of guys that really thrive in that role. He is going to be a slashing fast player who's good his biggest strength is his athleticism from a basketball standpoint offensively the skill isn't quite there yet but he's what 18 19 years old it's not going to be there for most freshmen not everyone is kentucky so what, what i'm really happy with is he's making reactionary cuts he had offensive rebound dunks where he's just 
he's gravitating towards the basket. The ball was finding him because he was getting himself in the right position. And that's all up here. So the fact that the IQ is there to be around the basket says a lot about him as a player, which tells me that we should be seeing a considerable uptick in his production on the court from a numerical standpoint. But what's more important is the energy and the effort that he's bringing on the defensive side because he's really a menace on the other end of the court. Yeah, that, that putback dunk he had versus Grambling was was pretty special. Just pretty, pretty much flat-footed and just uh, boing, bah! you know. I, I really liked the transition Euro step that he had finished out. nice. Offside. That was the fact that I think it was uh, Curtis Jones who found him on the break there. That was a that was a great play. <laughs> um, but I, I think you know it's it's being a being a true freshman having you know all the the, the pressure put on him. He's he's the, the greatest recruit Iowa State's ever had. I'm sure he was pretty amped up those first couple games, and you know now he's kind of getting settled in, and, and we're starting to see him be more comfortable. I think, like you said, it's only going to be you know an uptake from here. Um, Let's transition to another freshman, though. Milan Mamchinovic, dude, comes out, what, first game of the season? How many, I don't know how many points he had. I just remember every shot he had was going in, the fadeaway Dirk, the, you know, everything he was shooting was going in. Let's talk about Milan, man. I am very, one, got to give shout out to my Wisconsin guys, especially the ones that were 22. Tends to be a good fit <laughs> there. Uh, it's kind of weird that that's how that ended up being you know we get Halliburton at 22 and we get this Milan guy wearing 22 too I'm huh? like that's that's kind of nice but no all around man he's the real deal I in in my opinion the fact that he can guard he really can guard two through five because he's I don't know what he's listed on the roster he's a legit six nine six ten and he's not filled out yet so we got we got to think too if we're if we're lucky to keep him around for maybe two three years sky's the limit with him on top of the fact i really compare him to a almost a more skilled version of brady manic to those who remember him from the oklahoma days national runner-up with north carolina he he's got unlimited range he can put the ball on the floor a little bit get to his spot which seems to be that left baseline fadeaway which is a beautiful shot for all of us oh, who watch this I really like where he's at. I think the next step for him is getting to the basket a little bit more, especially since we've been playing, you know, net ranking or Ken Palm ranking 288 plus. I think if the next step in his game is, hey, let's let's utilize our shot to get to the basket because I let's see if we can get, you know, maybe this guy bites at one of those pump fakes because he does have a little bit of an awkward release, but that, that should work in his favor because people aren't going to be used to that. So Machine Gun Mahoney, I would, you know, the, kind of my go-to on the baseline was the, his fadeaway and what he's got, faking the fadeaway and then stepping through and having given yourself a layup. So I'd, I, I'm sure he's got that in his repertoire, but if I was his, you know, his Kevin McHale type coach, I would tell him, you know, get that, that fake and then step through with it. I think we need uh, to get you two in a room and, you know, teach him a thing or two about that Machine Gun Mahoney. I don't, I don't think Milan wants a piece of this, man. He doesn't want a, a six foot, one hundred seventy five pound dude digging his ass up. I think we should. I think we should go to practice uh, when they have when they're done with finals, and you can you can get we can do a one on one you versus Milan in the post. Only I'm down, man. I got my uh, I've, I've got my Harachis already in my in my bag. I got them ready to go. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, maybe your guys' favorite guy. He uh, he kind of started off slow as well too. Coming off the bench, had a nice game the last couple games. Talking about none other than Jiggy. Let's uh, yeah, boy. He, kind of your, he, he was kind of your dark horse guy. Um, you know, it's kind of the uh, I can't remember you said the, the first time you had John. He was your dark horse guy to not lead the team in scoring, but he, he was he was your guy. What are, what are your thoughts on Jiggy? You know, a few games into the season. Well, what Coach Otts told me personally, he's going to be a gun for hire. And I think that's what we've seen, especially this this last game against Grambling. He comes off the bench firing. I think he hit two or three threes in the first half, looked really good. Uh, I think they gave it – they called one a two, which I thought was a little bit of some BS. But overall, he's been distributing quite well. I think if you can get a nice lineup of him and Keyshawn Gilbert on the court at the same time, that gives you a lot of quick guard threats. Because really where this team excels right now – and, and Curtis Jones is incredibly jiggy, is incredibly underrated at this, is getting to the basket. His shot is such a threat from the outside that it allows these guys to blow by him when they contest. 
either gives him a wide open three or he gets to go to the basket a lot easier. And Keyshawn Gilbert distributing the ball. I, I didn't talk as much about him the, the first time I was on this podcast, but man, he looks fantastic. He is, in my opinion, he's the best player on this team. If I think right now, uh, as a fan, I think this team is a sweet 16 as a floor right now. And I, I truly believe that right now we're, we're Ken Palm rank 14. Uh, the best team we're going to play over the weekend is Texas A&M and they're Ken Palm 18. We're not even ranked right now. So it's only going to get better. Part of the ranking. Yes. Ken Palm does take into it. It makes us look a little bit better because we've played garbage, but the fact that we're scoring our lowest scoring performance is 85 points. We have, seven or eight guys that can play legit college minutes and Curtis Jones off the bench is, is spearheading that movement. We're in a great spot right now from a program standpoint. When we had Chris Fleek on um, last week, the week before, you know, we were kind of trying to pick his brain and what he thought about Iowa State basketball. And um, I told him, I, I called our shot. I said, Hey, I, I think Iowa State's going to win the tournament this, uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, Cause they, they open with VCU. VCU, yep. yep. Who, who lost their opening game, but then have gone, you know, they've won three straight. Um, then either Boise State or Virginia Tech. Um, I'm not too worried about it, but I, I, I told him, I said, I, I think Iowa State's going to win this tournament this weekend. And then Elite Eight is the floor. I called it Elite Eight is the floor for this team. Um, because, yeah, I mean, Iowa State went to the Sweet 16 and nobody could, you know, make a shot. Um, one guy who is making shots, though, making from the outside this year who wasn't last year, Taman Lipsy. That guy is out here making threes, driving to the hoop, dishing, almost had a double-double by halftime um, the other night. I am just super impressed with how, you know, how improved Taman has been, and I think he is really, you know, they said in one of the broadcasts multiple times, he is the head of the snake. You know, he is what makes his team go, and I love that we have, you know, off guards that he doesn't have to always bring the ball if it can be Gilbert or Jiggy or Taman, uh, maybe even a little bit of Pav if we're up, you know, if we're up enough. But um, I'm loving seeing the improvement that, that Taman's made this year in the offseason. I think what we should like as as fans, he's hunting threes. That three is going to open up, you know, when when teams come into the Big 12 conference play and they're going to be looking at scouting report, those the coach are going to be watching film from these games. What did Taman Lipsy do over these last four games, over this Thanksgiving tournament against DePaul, Iowa, whatever? He's looking for that three-point shot. They're going to start contesting that three. Guess what that means? Shot fake, drive by, get that defense in rotation. You're playing four on five basketball with a guy who's blown by you. Get some quick reaction time. We have Curtis Jones. We have Keyshawn Gilbert. We have Milan Momchilovich and Trey King who can all make threes from the outside. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a he, great one to have. He, he's shooting through with confidence too. I mean, it's he's not, you know, last year, you know, he hesitated and, and wasn't wanting to shoot three. But this year, he's, you know, you said he's hunting his threes. He's, he's wanting to. He's wanting to, to shoot those threes. Um, I am a little surprised. I'll talk about Pav a little bit. I'm surprised that he's not he's not playing more. He's looked um, first of all, I think he's a little smaller than I thought he was going to be. I didn't, I didn't realize he was that small, but he when he's out there, he is he's aggressive as well too. But he looks like he might be kind of getting into the, the the groove of the Big Twelve play and is maybe maybe kind of a step behind. It might take him a couple of games to get in, but I think this lineup is really deep and you know I love seeing that. I mean, he was he was what the uh, I don't know what what leagues yeah, big, uh, big South or something like that. Yeah, he was their their player of the year last year, and he's you know, I think last year if we didn't get, I think he would have been a a predominant player in, on this team last year, um, which just tells you you know how how far this roster has come, um, and just how deep this team is. Yeah, I, I think with with Pav especially, you gotta you gotta think, he's nineteen twenty years old, it's he's true. jumping, he's that's a big jump. Wofford to any any Big 12 school is a big jump. I mean, I if you want to look at a comparison, uh, I know there's not a lot of Big 10 fans watching this, and I'm not one either, but look at Max Klesmet from Wisconsin. He was also a Wofford transfer. He struggled his first year in Madison. Uh, he, granted, he kind of got thrown to the fire a little bit more than Pav will this year because Wisconsin's rosters are relatively poor compared to this team i'd say very poor because i hate wisconsin uh put that on on this very much I hate wisconsin uh but i think that's what we should be looking at and there's only five guys on the court this is a really guard heavy team if pop was a five man he'd be playing a lot he's a one or a two right now because that's who he can guard 
it puts him at a disadvantage. However, we got, I mean, Curtis Jones, was he a senior? Uh, you got, I mean, you can't, I can't imagine that Keyshawn Gilbert, if he plays the way he's been playing right now, is going to be in Ames for very long. Yeah. Um, there's, there's going to be a window. Yeah, it might sting for right now, but Nick Babb wasn't the starter right away, and he was ended up being a huge piece on a Big 12 title winning team. So, it was, it was Tyrese Halliburton. Exactly, and he's probably all in, first team All NBA point guard this year on the best offense in the NBA. Yeah, so he, he's doing all right for himself, I think. Yeah, it wasn't like 30, 38 assists and zero turnovers in two games. Wish that was me. So you tell me, Jackson Pavleski is the next Tyrese Halliburton? Is that what you're saying? Book it. Sharpie. He's going to get traded from the Kings uh, in three years. <laughs> yeah, probably. God, how stupid are they? Yeah. Jeez. That was kind of the funny part. Like, you know, um, when one of the Murray twins got drafted there, Iowa fans were like, oh, man, he has to go to Sacramento. Well, if he's any good, they'll trade him in two years, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Do you see uh, – I, I don't want to talk Hawkeyes on that, but they're looking to get Levine, OG Ananobi, and uh, who's the other – Toronto, Pascal Siakam. Who's the trade piece there? It's Keegan Murray. He's gone. <laughs> it's, it's already happening. <laughs> NBA insider Nate Schuster has some info here. That's just Twitter crap. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I think that uh, that might be all we've got this week for basketball, unless you guys can think of anything else that we should should chat about. That was, that was good stuff. We want to we want to get you on more, Nate, too, as the – you know, as the season rolls on and as, as football is winding down, we'll, we'll just, we'll just kick it with some basketball stuff. Yeah. I think the, I think the one piece we should be looking at is uh grant. I'm with you. I think Iowa state's floor, this tournament is a title game appearance. Uh, they really don't play that great of competition. I know FAU made a final four last year. Their, their Ken Palm ranking right now is 49. There's 36 at large bids to the NCAA tournament. They're outside the bubble right now. According to Ken Palm, uh, the only other team that's better than FAU in terms of Ken Palm ranking is AM and they're on the complete other side of the bracket. I think that's going to be the final matchup. I think that game is on Sunday. Is that Saturday? Yep. yep yeah. Sunday. I, think, I think we're going to have a nice little championship Sunday, Iowa State Cyclones, uh, hopefully after some NFL slate so we can get everything together. I'm a Packers fan. They play on Thursday. They'll probably get their asses kicked, but <laughs> it's all good. So I think that's what we're looking forward to this week is some, is some peace week. Sweet. Oh, yeah, brother. Well, we appreciate it, Nate. Thanks for jumping on. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on some more here, uh, obviously, as, as the season rolls on. Thanks again to Tim Fitzgerald for joining us uh, of 247 Sports with Kansas State. Great guy. Great guy. He's a warrior, too, as I mentioned, battling stage four prostate cancer. Um, give us some good stuff, though, man. He is a, he's a hoot. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good dude. You know, we, we've been texting on and off with him, too, you know, prior to leading up to this. And just got a good spirit about it. And, you know, when, when, mm-hmm. when you're battling cancer, I think that's, that's half the battle too, is, is having a good, good spirit about it. But he gave us some really good information. And, and, you know, like we talked about in the interview, this Kansas state team is not a Kansas state teams. Like we've seen in the past where, you know, special teams is winning it for them and, you know, knock on what I hope it just jinx us there. They haven't had any punt or kickoffs return for touchdown this year, which again is very un Kansas state like um, for them. Yep. But um, yeah, I didn't know their defense was that good. So should be a good game on Saturday. I feel like these games are usually, you know, determined by a score or less. So yeah, it'll be curious to see how you know how Iowa State wraps up their season here. If we're going to finish seven and five in the preseason or regular season, I mean, uh, or six and six. So, so is there a big difference uh, for the vibes in the program between a six and six and seven and five before we get out of here? Um. I wouldn't say so. No, I mean, you know, Campbell, you know, he had that, that speech a couple of years ago where he said, you know, bullshit programs care about six and six or winning six games. And obviously, you know, that's not the, you know, that's not what he wants. You know, he wants to win, you know, eight, nine, 10 more games than that and compete for championships. Um, but if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that this team would be fighting for six and six, seven and five, I would have taken it every time. You know, this, this is a young team. Absolutely. I think they're, they're playing what, either 15 or 25 freshmen. Um, I think the future is bright for this, for this program, for this team specifically, um, especially seeing our schedules that Iowa State's got, you know, these next couple of years. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think these – these what's what's really big for Iowa State is 6-6, six 7-5, six, yeah, you want to do better than that. But it's even – it's more than that. It's 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 the, the, the bowl prep. It's the young guys, you know, getting in those practices that are getting those extra reps – 
where, you know, if you're not going to a bowl game, you're just going to sit at home. Um, so I think that's what's really huge for Iowa State is it doesn't really matter what, what bowl they go to. Obviously, you want to win the bowl game. You want to finish, you know, above 500. But I think that's really the big thing, you know, for this team is getting those extra reps and getting those that, that momentum, that confidence that, you know, yeah, we're young, but we can do it. Yep. Um, so I think that'll be huge for this team. So looking forward to it, though. Should be a good game. And hopefully all of our listeners have a, a nice Thanksgiving. Probably listen to this episode on either Wednesday when it comes out or, or Thursday. And Tuesday coming out this week. Tuesday. Coming out Tuesday this week. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah, everyone, if you're traveling, safe travels. If you're still on the road traveling to Thanksgiving, and yeah, hopefully everyone has a nice, happy Thanksgiving. So as always, thank you to all of our loyal listeners. And remember, adopt, don't shop.